I'm following on, really. I'm just embellishing maybe what Tano spoke last week. So it's in the same kind of theme. But, um, and uh, this has been on my heart for a while. And last week I was preaching at another church. And this, I, I, I preached this then. So this is my second time around with slight little additions. But um, as a kind of a foundation, um, I want us just to... There's not going to be any verses. But if you want to get a Bible, you can. I'm just going to spend a lot of time in 2 Corinthians 4. Um, but I just want to go to 2 Chronicles 7, verses 1 to 10, because what I say really is based on this really important truth, that, uh, that God always fills his temple. And, um, and it says this in 2 Corinthians 7, verse what? Uh, 2 Chronicles 7, thanks, Pete. <laughs> 1 to 10. Uh, as soon as Solomon finished his press, they just built the temple... Fire came down from heaven and consumed the burnt offering and the sacrifices and the glory of the Lord filled the temple. And the priest could not enter the house of the Lord because the glory of the Lord filled the Lord's house. When all the people of Israel saw the fire come down and the glory of the Lord on the temple, they bowed down with their faces to the ground on the pavement and worshipped and gave thanks to the Lord for he is good for his steadfast love endures forever. So I, I, can you imagine this site that they had built this temple, Solomon had made this prayer, and then fire just came down, just literally poured, and I mean literally, poured down upon this place, much like maybe the fire of the burning bush. And the, the glory of the Lord filled the temple, and it was such a glorious sight. And in 1 Corinthians 3.16, Paul says, do you not know that you are the temple of the living God, speaking to the church? And we can identify that personally and corporately, that we are the temple of the living God. And um, Acts, I'm going to just throw these at you. Um, John the Baptist said, Luke 3.16, I baptise you with water, but he who is mighty and I is coming, the strap of whose sandals I am not worthy to untie, he will baptise you with the Holy Spirit and fire. And Jesus said in Acts 1 verse 5, For John baptised with water, but you will be baptised with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. And then in verse 8, You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. Amen? Fire and power is the promise and the expectation of every church and every Christian. So, uh, now there's young people here. Put your hand up, young people, just so I know you're... <laughs> All right. All right. Under 18s and under 19s. Uh, don't, don't ever think that the Christian life is what you see with your eyes through church. It's the experience of fire and power in your life. If you're bored with Christian things, it's because you need to know the fire and the power of God. And when you get a bit older, now if you're older than 18, if the fire and the power starts to diminish, we can go to the Lord and say, Lord, fill me with your Holy Spirit. Because it is a guaranteed expectation that God fills his temple. Amen? Amen. Amen. Shall we finish there? Praise God. <laughs> Isn't it wonderful? And we need the baptism of the Holy Spirit. We need to be going on being filled with the Holy Spirit. I need fire. I need passion in my belly. Because life is hard, and without the passion, and without the expectation, or the big picture of what God is doing, it would be too hard for me. I cannot be bothered. 
I'm a product of my generation. We cannot be bothered with difficulty. Make it easy for me. But when God comes into your life, I'll tell you something in there. There's some fire that just keeps on burning. Even Jesus said, didn't he? He said, um, uh, uh, like a smouldering, what's the verse? He will not despise. A smouldering wick, he will not quench. Yeah. Thank you, Daniel. It's funny when you do that, when everyone speaks, it's a bit like listening to Eva speak. You know that language you're talking about? Yeah. But amen, isn't this wonderful? This is our fundamental, let me use some different language, it sounds a bit silly, our fundamental right. God, fill me. But we present, that temple was presented to God, consecrated for him, given to him, and every expectation is going to fill it. So everything I say today is dependent on that absolute truth that God always fills his temple. And when we understand that we are his temple, we can say, one, not only is Christ in us, the power of God, that's my title, Christ in me, the power of God, but also we can, so we can say to ourselves, well, what is God doing through me? And that's the, the um, kind of theme that I want us to take a look at. So in 2 Corinthians 14... Sorry, 2 Corinthians 2, 14. Um, Let's just uh, go through some of these verses. And I want to pick out some of these things. I want us to understand who we are in Christ. Not in terms of our identity, but I want to imagine yourself as you're going to Laura Ashley, you are something else. That's, that's, and people will pick up on it and they start inviting you to Ireland. Praise God. What a wonderful confirmation of what I want to say. Thanks be to God who in Christ always leads us in triumphal procession and through us spreads the fragrance of the knowledge of him everywhere. For we are the aroma of Christ to God among those who have been saved and among those who are perishing. To one a fragrance from death to death to the other, fragrance from life to life. Who is sufficient for these things? See, God has not only just filled himself with us, but he's filled us with his fragrance. Are you filled with the Spirit this morning? You smell. You smell. There's a fragrance about you. There's a fragrance about us. We go into the room, or is it Seamus was saying he loves his aftershave, wouldn't you? You said the other day, when Seamus walks in room, it's not just the whiff of his aftershave. He brings a spiritual fragrance. Isn't it? See, some of us will love that smell and they're drawn to us. And they're like, what is that about Hannah? And there are some that will go, whoa, I don't like that. And you will experience both. But you will experience the likes that are drawn to you. I love, I'm going to use your, um, your situation as a perfect example, Pat that are drawn to you because there's a fragrance about Pat. Now, I wonder whether Pat got up and she had her quiet time and she said, Lord, I'm ready. She went out, but maybe, I don't I'm not asking Pat, but maybe she did. Maybe she didn't. And she went out and she's still the fragrance of the Lord because it's not dependent. I'm going to clarify this later, but it's not dependent on how good you are at being a Christian. It's dependent on the spirit dwelling within us. Wonderful. We are the fragrance of God. And how important it is to smell like Christ. See, what's interesting about Seamus' testimony was is that it's not about going into pubs. 
because the pubs need the fragrance of Christ. The problem for him at that time was, was that he needed to get out. I love when he said to me, he said, I put my beard down and I went. I love that picture. Um, because we can be in situations when God doesn't want us there and the smell of God is defiled by the situation we're in, often the disobedience of our hearts. So we need to be right. We need to listen to what God is saying to us um, because we have a fragrance. Jump down into chapter 3, verse 3. We'll read from there. And you show that you are a letter from Christ, delivered by us, written not with ink, but with the Spirit of the living God, not on tablets of stone, but on tablets of human hearts. Here's our second picture. The first one is we're the fragrance of Christ. The second thing, we are the letter of Christ. Wherever we go, people read us. What are you saying about God? When you walk in and people see, read something about God in you. I love this whole thing about God writing something on our hearts. Primarily, we can say, obviously, it's the life of Christ being written. In verse 2, it says, um, to be known and read by all. See, they don't just smell us, they read us. And the wonderful thing about the good news is, is that whatever your story up to when Jesus comes into your life is washed away, the pages are wiped clean, he gets out his pen and he writes a new story. And that's the gospel. That whatever our background, where we come from, whatever, our, whatever we think about ourselves, whatever's been said about us, washed clean. Malia got baptised yesterday. She got baptised um, at Hillsong. Wonderful. Washed, the picture of baptism, washed clean. New life. Amen? Amen. Her head was still, hair was still wet this morning. Wouldn't it, be, wouldn't it be a miracle if it was just wet all the time? Because I'm washed. I'm washed every day. A new story written not just from yesterday, but from when Malia just recommitted or committed her life for the first time. God got his pen out and said, I'm writing a new story. Isn't that wonderful? And that's everyone's story. When God comes in, he's writing a new story and people are going to read that. See, I, I, my, my heart this morning is that we understand this power that we have purely by turning up. Purely by turning up, you bring the fragrance and the word of God through your life if God is living within you. Chapter 3, verse 4 to 6. Such is the confidence that we have through Christ toward God. Not that we are sufficient in ourselves to claim anything as coming from us, but our sufficiency is from God, who has made us sufficient to be ministers of a new covenant, not of the letter or the law, but of the Spirit, for the law kills, but the Spirit gives life. We might say to ourselves, how am I sufficient for all of this? How can I go and do what Tano was um, asked us to do last week or challenged us to do last week? How am I going to be that? Well, the sufficiency is not of you, it's of God. As he says what he's saying, as he said back in chapter 2, who is sufficient for these things? Who is sufficient? When Paul's saying this, how am I going to do any of this that God has called me to do? I'm reading Acts about when he was called when he was blinded on the road to Damascus and God said you're my instrument to the Gentiles to the children of Israel before kings and he could say how am I and he came to the secret in I think Philippians chapter 3 isn't it I count all rubbish everything of myself all of my education all of my upbringing I count as rubbish I'm using the kind of the soft word in that case um 
can't remember the last bit, where he says, I desire to know Christ and him crucified, words to that effect. You can look at that. But as, as we heard earlier, the Lord is the strength of his people. There is no excuse. For us, we, if, if there's something in you that says, but I am not good enough, I'm not educated enough, I don't have enough training, I don't know, I haven't done a, a whole thing on uh, how to answer questions or all these kind of things. By turning up, you have enough. I have enough. I may not be able to answer people's questions, but that's, maybe that's not why I'm there. I'm there to be Christ, or Christ to be himself through me. God is our sufficiency. Chapter 3, verse 17 and 18. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we all, with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image, from one degree of glory to another, for this comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. Now, prior to that, Paul's been talking about Moses when he went up the mountain and he spent time with God and he came down almost reflect, well, literally reflecting the glory of God. The, his face shone. And it said he, they, he had to put a veil over his face. He says, that veil now lies over the hearts of unbelievers. Only by turning to the Lord is that veil taken away. And what's interesting, again, just this while, it's quite good to have these testimonies. What happened in, in pub in that time was a veil being taken away. Suddenly seeing the truth. And maybe down the line, we're all going to have these veils taken away and we just see it. Revelation. God taking the veil away. But right at the very beginning is that revelation that Jesus is Lord. And the veil is taken away. And, um, but we, now, once the veil is taken away, there we sit with unveiled face. That word beholding can be said, can be interpreted reflecting the glory of the Lord. We are the aroma of Christ. We are the, what was the second one? Letter of Christ. And we're the reflectors of Christ. I always remember the whole picture about the moon. I don't know how many people got up at five o'clock in the morning to look at the moon the other week um, with the big, you know, yeah, I did. Um, did you see it? Yeah. Yeah, the, uh, yeah. But the wonderful thing about the moon is it has no light. It reflects the light of the sun. And so we are moons to God's sun. We are the reflectors. And what I love about this is, is, is the simplicity of knowing that, you know, I don't know what your time with the Lord is like, but for me, the simplicity of I can sit. Now, I don't go down to tanning shops or whatever. I don't go and get, you know, like that and get what they call it again, uh, the ultraviolet ray things. Sunbeds, thank you. All right, he does. Uh, <laughs> Um, I don't go lying on the sunbed or anything like that, but I, I'm presuming because I've seen people that have, but they lie on the sunbed, they start to take on certain characteristics that aren't natural to them. Um, and I can sit in, in, even in quietness before the Lord and say, Lord, I'm just going to be here. And I, will, I can sit and by faith and in the Spirit, sit and just look unto Jesus, put my focus on him be it through the word in the scripture or be it through just through worship, worships, whatever, you know, but the purpose is, I'm here for you, Lord. And in that process, it's like sitting in front of a tan, one of those things again, and we sunbeds, and we just take on the lightness of God and we reflect his glory. What a wonderful privilege 
we have, reflectors in Christ, of Christ. Two, chapter 4, verse 1 to 2. Therefore, having this ministry by the mercy of God, we do not lose heart, but we have renounced disgraceful, underhanded ways. We refuse to practice cunning or to tamper with God's word, but by the open statement of the truth, we would commend ourselves to everyone's conscience in the sight of God. Now, I was thinking about this. I was thinking, you know, we don't, there's, there's one thing about contextualization of the good news. In other words, keeping the truth right, solid, but in a way that's communicated that people will understand. And changes over the years, that might change. But the truth stays the same. What we don't need to do, let's take out that. That's a bit, bit kind of challenging. We get more people in. If we take that bit out, we get more people in. Well, let's take that bit out. He's saying, no, we don't use these underhanded ways. All we are, we are ourselves by the mercy of God. And we just share the good news as we know it. And we don't have to change a thing. And God just comes and he moves. That's what he's saying. We don't need to reduce down the good news um, or be someone that we're not. Oh, I need to be able to speak like John because maybe that's what it, the way it's done. God forbid there's enough of me already. And I'm trying to kill that one. Amen? And I, I didn't hear an amen from my wife then, but <laughs> praise God. Let's keep going. Verses 3 to 5. And even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing... In their case, the God of this world has blinded the minds of unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ. I lost my seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. For what we proclaim is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord. With ourselves as your sakes for Jesus' sake. Thinking afresh about this this morning. You know, who am I proclaiming? See, the problem with with law and works and legalism um, and duty, when it's all that, we simply are just trying to proclaim ourselves that makes it look like Jesus. But when we actually have it the right way round and we say, do you know what? I want to proclaim Jesus, not myself. I'm going to trust in him and what he's doing through me. I'm going to be available. I'm going to listen. And I'm going to make sure that I'm going to keep focusing on him. Bible says quite clearly in this passage, you know, the, the, the people who don't know God, they're blinded. The, the devil has blinded their eyes. See, often we think that they just aren't doing as they're told. If they just did what we tell them, everything would be all right. But they're blinded. They cannot see. And we need to present Christ to them, that their eyes might be opened. But who are we proclaiming? Are we proclaiming Christ as Lord? I had this thought, just to go off a little bit of a tangent on this. You know, there are some who come into the Christian faith on the basis of a ticket to heaven. In other words, their life is really, their Christian life is based around having something that guarantees them in their mind that they will just go somewhere in the afterlife, somewhere nice. Their life on earth has no change, no difference. There's no real following of the Lord. Just maybe consciously in their, in their minds, um, some kind of association with God through, be it a moment where they were born and baptised or whether they put their hand up in a meeting or whatever it might have been. And James says this, he says in 122, he says, Be doers of the word, not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. 
See, when we hear the word of God and we don't put it into action, we are actively deceiving ourselves into believing that that is right. And this is a challenge, isn't it? The word is there to bring our lives into line with Christ. If you can imagine this great, bright, shining light and there is a doorway, I could stand here and I could be out of the light. I could even look, I could look like that, but the light's shining there. But look, I'm looking at the light. I've got to stand, I've got to be in the light, reflecting his glory. We've got to get ourselves in line with God, and that's what the word is, isn't it? We hear the word, we say, God, I really can't do this myself. You need to change my heart, that I may obey you. I need the fire of God, the power of God to obey you. See, if that's not your experience of Christianity, I'm going to say this will challenge you. I'm, I am concerned for your eternal state. It's about knowing Jesus day by day. I was watching um, a clip on YouTube of I mean, like Jimmy Kimmel talking to some actress. I can't remember which one it was. She was, she was from a Jewish background. He's, uh, no, it was um, the other guy, Col- um, Stephen Colbert. He's Catholic background, she's Jewish background. I don't know where they, how they believe, but she said... Tell me what to believe in. He said, I don't know either. <laughs> I thought, what a tragedy. Both of the Jewish culture and of, if you like, Catholic culture, so close, but yet so far away. We need to know Jesus. We need to know Jesus. Verse 5. For what we proclaim, no, not verse 5. Verse 6, for God who said, let light shine out of darkness, has shone in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. It's not just the fragrance of God, the word of God, or the reflection of his glory, but it is the light of God. Jesus said in Matthew 5, you are the light of the world. He said, I'm the light of the world. But he said, you are the light of the world. So when you're going into your workplace on Monday morning or when you're at when you're, whatever your social network is or when you're going to study, you are the light in that place. You are bringing the fragrance. You are the word that is written, uh, written on your lives that people are going to read. You are the light in that place. People, you're, when you go into your workplace, you make a difference just by turning up. Verse 7, but we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. Our sufficiency is from God. The surpassing power belongs to God. The more we go through this passage, the less and less we're involved. Do you see that? In fact, our involvement is sit in the glory of God. Sit with the word of God. Listen to what the Lord is saying. Be available. I tell you, it doesn't matter what color of the skin you are, what background, what culture, what's your first language, whether you were brought up in a Christian family, you wasn't brought up in a Christian family, has nothing in this passage, absolutely nothing. You see that? Christ in me, the power of God. My sufficiency is from God. Verse 8 to 11, we are afflicted in every way but not crushed, perplexed but not driven to despair, persecuted but not forgotten, or forsaken, struck down but not destroyed, always carrying in the body the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be manifested in our bodies. For we who live are always being given over to death 
for Jesus' sake, so that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our mortal flesh. Can you hear these words? The life of Jesus being revealed through my skin, bones and, and hair. <laughs> That's a physical, Jesus being seen in my physicalness. Let's not over-spiritualize this. They can see on it, that's what it's saying, in our mortal bodies. Not in our spiritual beings, although it includes that because it's the life of Jesus spiritually in us. So when I am physically somewhere, I'm, I am bringing something physically. When I'm here in the cafe in the midweek and, and I go up to talk to someone, I am Christ in that situation. Now that's, that's a, a wonderful <laughs> A powerful thing, a great challenge for me to, Lord, I want to walk with you. I, want to, I don't want to proclaim myself. But the main point here is there's very little of my involvement in this other than availability, as I've been saying. But in this passage, we see that we leak Christ all the more under pressure, under brokenness. When things aren't going well for you, when you're a bit knocked about, where you're struggling, and you're just hanging on to the Lord. This says the light shines brighter. Amen? Isn't that wonderful? See, this is what it's coming down to. Do you, do you realise, do we, I include myself, realise who we are, who we carry, what happens when you walk into a room? Do you know what happens when you walk into a room? Now, they might not know what's happening, but I know this is, says to me completely that when I walk into a room, there is a change in the dynamic, a change in the atmosphere. And my mum used to say to me, when I was a rebellious teenager, I used to go out with my mates, often Paul Robinson, which was Alan Esme's son. We would just go down the park, probably not do anything bad, probably do something bad. Oh, they just come in the door, look. And my mum used to say to me, my mum used to say to me the morning after, I said, John, what was you doing yesterday? And I said, what do you mean? You brought an atmosphere into the house. I was, I was up praying. But now we bring a different atmosphere into the house. Amen, Amen mum? <laughs> Thumbs up. See, when you go into your workplace tomorrow, even though the workplace is tough, you bring God in power. When you look at the early church, I'm coming into, I'm, I'm coming into land. Um, Acts chapter 3, verse 4 to 6, Peter and John are going to the temple to pray. They've been filled with the Spirit. God always fills his temple. They're going to the temple to pray. They're not going out saying, right, come on, Peter, and let's go looking for people to heal. They just went to the temple to pray. And there was a, a man who called out and said, you know, will you give me some money? And they said, we haven't got any money, but what we do have... And this is what they say. He said, he said to them, he's calling out to everyone. He said, he said look at us. He, sometimes we don't like that language. Look to me. Look to me. We don't like that language because, oh no, it's Jesus. But he knows. As long as you know it's Jesus. He fixed his attention on them, expecting to receive something from them. But Peter said, I have no silver or gold, but what I do have, I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And that man got up and walked. They knew that they had something. And it wasn't because they, I don't, I don't know what was in their mind, but I just love the fact that as they went to the temple to pray, 
On their way to church, they knew they had something. Jesus said, this is Mark 16, go into all the world and proclaim the gospel to the whole creation. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, but whoever does not believe will be condemned. And these signs will accompany those who believe. In my name they will cast out demons, they will speak in new tongues, they will pick up serpents with their hands, and if they drink any deadly poison, it will not hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick, and they will recover. A few weeks ago, I was thinking about this, and it just occurred to me. This is like, boom. Because we, we always say to the Lord, Lord, we want to see these things happening. But these things happened as they went out to proclaim the gospel. See, he said, go be my witness. Go be me in the community. In every opportunity, pray for people. That's my interpretation of that. Go, proclaim the gospel. Whoever believes will be baptised. These signs will accompany those who believe. Now, I think that's the people going out, believing who they are in God, that Christ is in them, the power of God is in them. Well, if God is in me, why shouldn't I pray for the sick? Acts 29 verse 30, this is after they had been preaching, they had been taken before the authorities, they had a go at them, they sent them back out and they went back to their um, household, a a church group, and and they prayed and they said, now Lord, look upon their threats and grant to your servants to continue to speak your word with all boldness while you stretch out your hand to heal and signs and wonders are performed through the name of your holy servant Jesus. Let's put those two together. When they went out and they said this to this man, they said, rise up and walk. In their mind, Jesus was doing it. Because you can't have, they didn't do it, but they did it. But they did it because they knew Jesus was doing it. Because they knew that Christ was in them to work power. See, there are, they were Christ in the community, sharing as they had opportunity, praying for the sick and they shared the word people were healed they performed signs and wonders and I had this thought you know I was saying a few days ago the apostles the, the, um, the, the sign of the apostles was signs and wonders but it didn't stay with the apostles because when Stephen he did signs and wonders Philip did signs and wonders they were the deacons that we would call deacons signs and wonders What I want to encourage us this morning is to let's put ourselves in the position where we are praying for people because Jesus is in us. Here's this wonderful thing. I wish I had time to go through when Jesus called the 12 and he sent them out two by two. And he said, go out. He said, "Um, don't take any um, uh, coat with you. Don't take, you know, an extra bag. You go, knock on a door if they receive you, stay with them, they'll serve you, they'll look after you, you stay there and let your peace remain on them. He said the same thing or he said these things to the 72 that he sent out, the 72 people, 36 pairs of people went out and they came back praising God that people had been healed, set free, delivered and Jesus said, just glorify that you're in going to heaven. That was his point. But this is the thing. There's an expectation that as we go, that he is in us. Matt, the end, the commandment, um, the great commission at the end of Matthew ends with, and I will be with you always. These guys, they went out knowing that Jesus was in them to perform works and wonders. What a relief. They, I mean, what a boldness. I mean, they had a power about them, which, which I know I don't have, 
but I know I have what I need to have, which is Christ in me. It's the bit that was after that with me. I've got to, I was quite encouraged, and I haven't got great experience of these things, but it kind of bolstered my encouragement by praying for our friend's baby. Because um, she said, oh, can you pray a blessing and, and, I, and pray for a bad stomach? She had a bad stomach, new, quite newborn. So we prayed, didn't we? And, I, and this is what I want to encourage you, some practicalities. You speak to the problem. I said, I said, stomach, be well in the name of Jesus. And I prayed a blessing over them, which is a wonderful opportunity. Offer to your friends. Do you want me to bless you in the name of Jesus? See what they say. Anyway, next day I said, oh, how's tomorrow? I said, it worked. Pray, I said, praise God. God is good. She went, he is. Amen. <laughs> um, but who would have known what, what would have happened if I'd thought, oh, but the Lord did it. We had an elders retreat and we all prayed, didn't we? I don't think anyone's been healed from that. And it's come back. Praise God, it worked. <laughs> but I'm still going to do it. I'm still going to do it. And I encourage you, speak to it. Say, look to me. Because Christ is in me. In the name of Jesus, sickness, get off. And they shall recover. Who knows how long that will take. What about you? Are you available to God? Are you confident in God? Are you sharing your testimony? Praise God, Pat. See, what Pat's proved, there is another thing. When he sent those 72 out and he sent the 12 out, he said there'll be people there that will smell the... These are are my... my, uh, Paraphrasing. They're going to smell the fragrance on you. They're going to be people there. They're going to read something good in you. There's going to be people there going to see something in you and then they're going to want to serve you. That's what he says in the, when he sent out the 72. I can't remember where he's Luke, maybe. They're going to want to serve you. He said, take no money with you because there are people there that are going to serve you. They're going to come along. They're going to ask you about Jesus. And then they're going to say, come to Ireland with us and we're going to pay for you. He says, sons of peace, they call them, are people of peace. I tell you what, when, when Tano was saying, look up, look up, he's saying, look up, there's people coming towards you. That's what he said, didn't he? Yeah, look up, there's people of peace. They're being drawn to you. Even maybe this week, if you think, Lord, I'm available for those you're going to draw to me, because I know that they're not being drawn to me, they're being drawn to you. And Jesus said, no one can come to the Father unless the Father draw them. And Jesus said uh, other words to that effect, I can't remember, but there's another one which is really good, if someone might remember it. No. (laughs) Anyway, let's finish with this. Our sufficiency is from God. The surpassing power belongs to God. Are you filled with the Holy Spirit? Are you filled with the Holy Spirit? We need to lift up our heads, as Tano said. Look out for the people of peace. They can smell God on you. When you go to work tomorrow, you need to know you're going or whatever your situation is. When you go down to Tesco's, when you're walking the shops, when you're at college or school, you walk in there knowing Jesus is just radiating from me. And you look out for those that are coming towards you. Often we step over those. We move past, excuse me, you're just, I want to reach that person over there. It doesn't want anything to do with Jesus. And they're like, let me serve you. I want to get to know Jesus. Be intentional. Be restful in it. There's something about intensity that is natural. I've been thinking about this a lot recently. And that doesn't mean that you're not intentional. Where you can get up every day and say, Lord, I'm available to you. Lord, I want to be used of you. I'm not talking about that. But it's when we think, Lord, I'm going to break through. I'm going to go out. I'm going to get people by the necks. I'm going to say, will you know Jesus? 
uh, you know, where we're really getting in people's faces and, uh, you know, all these kind of things. Whereas it, what I'm talking about is I'm just going to walk into a room and see who comes to me. Now, there's a proactivity about that. It's about availability and the willingness and being prayerful. It's about there are many things that we can do to do that. We can invite people in, not just into meetings, but into company with you. When people are responding, invite them in. Maybe it's a coffee. Maybe it's a conversation. Maybe it's sitting down in Laura Ashley, talking. Invite them in. Be open. I don't mean sharing your, let me just tell you how I've struggled throughout my life. Not that kind of openness. Not yet. Pray for people. Ask them. Oh, we've had a good chat. Oh, can I pray for you? We, we was at this other church and offers you chatting to people and I'm chatting to this guy and he's sharing a bit of his life. Um, and there's a part of me that's like, <laughs> um, where you want to move on and talk to someone else because you want to use your time effectively. And, and it's like, do you know what? I'd love to pray for you. And this is what I want to pray. It's like, yeah, sure. I don't know anyone who said, oh no, I don't want any prayer. Be available. Pray, pray for sickness. Pray for change of circumstances. Be available. Be prayerful. And be a vessel filled every day. Amen. It's a quarter past. I'm going to finish there. But well, um, maybe if you need to go and get your kids, then now's a good time. But as a response, I want to encourage us, one, to do what Tano said last week. But know why. Have the confidence. I'm filled with God. God is in me. I smell right. I'm, I'm being read of Jesus. All these kind of things. I want us to be encouraged. And um, if the team want to come and just play a song. Because one, I just want to be available. If there are people that would like to receive the Holy Spirit, you can come and be prayed for. Also, I know there are some that need um, prayer for healing. Um, I know that Betty's already asked. She's got uh, an op and she's not very well. So we need to pray for Betty. Um, so I just want to invite you just to come up and just be prayed for. Um, but, and if, if you're not encouraged enough to go out with this expectation, come and pray that we can just pray God will bless you and really move in your life. Amen? So if people that usually come and pray for people can make themselves available, that would be great as well. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we just want to thank you for your wonderful goodness and the truth, Lord, of the power of God in us. Lord, we, who is sufficient for these things? None of us. But our sufficiency is from God. Will you encourage us? Will you excite us? Lord, will you give us confidence of who we are in you? Lord, and will you help us to keep our focus on you, to reflect you? Lord, to be in your presence, to be prepared and to be authentic, to be intentional and to be at rest Lord, that we may be just all about you shining out of our lives, that people may, we may see those that you're drawing and be available to you, Lord, to share our lives with them and to share you. Lord, give us boldness to pray for the sick, speaking against these things in your name, Lord, as your instruments to do your work, Lord, to heal and to set people free. So, Lord, we just pray, Lord, that we may be encouraged in these days and excited for you and what you're going to do in Jesus' name. Amen.